0: Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Byrd of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. What's up, 168ers? Welcome back to another discussion on post-Christian culture and what we as the church can do to challenge ourselves to adapt to modern times to perhaps offer a new and vibrant perspective to those who might need to hear about it. So, um... Yeah, last week I think we just kind of touched on the general idea of what a post-Christian culture looks like, and this week we kind of wanted to focus on ways maybe the church can evolve into that quote-unquote post-Christian culture to make Jesus um, known and attractive to people that would need to hear about him. So, do you want to get us started?
1: Yeah, sure. So, to get us into this conversation We're going to use an article that I read recently. This is dated from March 29th. So it's, you know, not like within the last week or anything like that, but it's fairly recent and it's titled from, and it's from Christianity today, the magazine or website, however you want to look at that now. Uh, It's called the rise of the ums. Now, some of you might have heard terms used to kind of describe sociologically people who have broken off from the church or disengaged from the church as some sometimes the term nuns or duns are are sometimes used as descriptors of of those people who have detached themselves from the church or people who don't have any affiliation with the church or faith or Christianity altogether and so um's is this kind of a tag on to that or a a subset of that, maybe if you will. And I'm not sure how mainstream of a term it is, but at least in this article, the, the references pertaining to, well, in the article, they point toward a lot of people who found themselves in this position around COVID and, and all the things that happened with churches and worshiping and gathering and all that during COVID. And the article describes this group of people as those who have become unattached from the church in like a participatory sense, meaning they they would say like they still have faith, they still follow Jesus. They're not like anti church, they're not anti Christianity, they're not like wanting to just ditch everything, but they're unsure where where they fit in terms of participating with a body of Christ, and so like in a worshiping sense, a gathering sense, a uh, meeting with other people together, like in a church building, that kind of sense. And so they're kind of like, hmm, like unsure, like where, what to do with that. And part of the article eventually kind of filters down into having a conversation about how does the broader church, at least in the United States, engage with people like this who find themselves in this situation, or you could also say with the nuns and the duns. And the author of the article starts describing how there definitely has been this shift. It seems definitely seems whatever there, there seems to be a shift in how maybe in more recent history, followers of Jesus would, you know, invite people to a church building or invite people to things that the church hosts. And that was like the front door for people to make their way into encountering Jesus and following Jesus, that kind of thing and he is suggesting that the front door has shifted it's no longer you know people coming to a church building or a worship time or on sunday morning is no longer like the front door time and place if you will for people anymore that has shifted and so in turn he sees that it's possible that the front door is now very decentralized in that it could be like when you get together with whoever at your own house or a restaurant or whatever for say a barbecue or dinner or whatnot, or some gathering, maybe it's going to a concert, whatever it may be, your engagement with people there as a follower of Jesus, you're engaging with people and you're following Jesus that now that is the front, the extension of the front door of the church. And so now there's like, instead of one front door, there's however many people in the congregation are the front door. And so you have, all these touch points, if you will, in culture and in society where people can encounter Jesus through your life, through your interaction with them. And then, you know, they hopefully will filter into participating in the body of Christ through that relationship. The article itself doesn't say this, but how I read that is the front door or the the length of travel for a person from like encountering the front door to actually participating in the church just becomes that much more lengthened because now the relational component goes that much further out into the rest of life, which doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just, it's a different for, for sure. And so I just bring this up as a description of how the church is called to kind of face the changes that are happening around it. And this is, one thing that seems to be happening. And I don't think it takes too much thinking or realization uh, to look around your own situation as a follower of Jesus in your local church to see that the amount of people who were there two, you know, previous to two years ago has definitely probably gone down. I mean, most statistics I see of churches now, very few talk about, their congregations being at pre-COVID levels and if if at best they're at like what pre-COVID level is so the growth isn't like the churches is growing or it's a lot of transfer growth meaning like people from other churches being disgruntled from whatever may be it could be COVID could be other issues whatever may be but the carousel of people going from church to church and landing at a church. So that but that but that's not like new people coming to Jesus necessarily. It's not necessarily a totally bad thing, but it's not exponential growth. It's just transfer growth for a body in general. And it's not to say there there probably there are exceptions to that, I'm sure. Like there probably are places that have grown. But by and large Most churches haven't seen their participation come back like it was two years ago. And so, again, that's just another indicator of, okay, so how do we as the church move forward knowing that this is how things are? I mean, one response could be like we just get mad and angry or we blame people or whatever it may be, or we engage with it with how it is and allow God to move and shape us to engage it with the situation that we find ourselves in. Anyway, what's what's your take on the article, just kind of description I gave of it? I know you haven't like read the whole thing or anything, but uh, just kind of going off as that as sort of a jumping point.
0: Yeah, I think it's a challenge for us as Christians to reconsider what the definition of the church is, right? I think we've gotten to the point where Even subconsciously, we might think of the church as the gathering on Sunday morning, but so often throughout Scripture, especially from the Apostle Paul, you hear the church body being referenced as the body of Christ, like with us as the members and Christ as the head, the chief cornerstone. Uh, We all have a unique function. We're members of one another. I think ultimately the church is focused on the group of people and the gathering, not necessarily the gathering place. So... I mean, when Paul mentions that in Corinthians, he's saying that you as a church body are being built to be a temple for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's about the gathering of people. And if people aren't coming to us, you know, I think the article challenges us to instead extend ourselves as people toward others. And that could be just a call to general evangelism because what is really, what's membership of the church? So Theologically, it's those who are baptized into Christ, that's what real membership of the church is, right? Um, and for me, the way that um, we've, I've, you know, gotten to that point, or um, I would imagine myself getting other people to that point in the future, is kind of what I've experienced at Fredonia and then being here in Clarence, um, starting with the idea of something like a Bible study at Denny's on Friday morning. I mean, you're not assumed to have a level of knowledge coming there you're going there over food and drink and you're also getting exposed to the bible um there's you know like events like uh, men's barbecue where again there's food drink and fellowship just general conversation general relations that's ultimately tied into some kind of greater lesson but even quote-unquote less than that there are more secular gatherings over just like you know like board games or watching movies or something like that in which the body of Christ comes together and you know outsiders of the faith might join us and we do life together as the family of God we get to interact with one another and hopefully through our interactions like it did with me as an outsider make this kind of question pop into people's minds like the question of well, what's different about these people how are these people able to have such easy conversations relationships with one another how come these people like sacrifice so much for each other they're able to laugh they're able to joke around like it's it's just easy is the best way i've heard it described like among christian relationships and i i would say that that's what i observed uh when i was invited to those things outside of christ as well there's definitely a question of well, what kind of dynamic am I missing that these people have? And I think eventually, from whatever step you have to start with, even if it's those, you know, quote-unquote secularized gatherings, that it, you know, what we, I guess, fail to realize sometimes is that that person is experiencing the church. It's the gathering of the body of believers. I mean, we're not, it's not just one hour on a Sunday. We're called to literally do life with one another, it says, "Don't get in the habit of not meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but instead encourage one another, especially as you see the day approaching." I mean, I think it's Hebrews three thirteen that says, um, "Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that no one is hardened by the deceitfulness of sin." Like that's why we gather. We gather. Out of encouragement, we gather because we want to stand alongside each other. I mean, James mentions mutual confession. Um, We're supposed to lean on each other. Members belong to one another. We have this unique function that is missing if we don't participate or that is missing if someone else isn't participating and we're there. I mean, we're very much the family of God. It's, It's about relationships, and it's not necessarily about being on, like, The member list that you fill out on a card when you enter the church. It's about the whole dynamic of living life. So I think, you know, if we're talking about like ums and stuff like that, people who are like maybe consider themselves following after Christ, but are robbing themselves of the experience of doing life with other Christians, I mean, it's just a dynamic that is much better to experience than to leave out because we're not meant to do things in isolation. And as Hebrews mentions what I quoted, when we do things in isolation, we can be hardened by deceitfulness. We can become unchallenged. Like our thinking can become unchallenged. Um, we're not checked on anything that we do. We're kind of, you know, we're the authority. We could get deceived. But, you know, when Jordan and I get together and we have a question we can ask each other, we can offer insight, and we can come to a conclusion. And like the last thing I think about is just when two or more followers gather in my name, there I will be also. I mean, there's a unique, a unique dynamic to the presence of Jesus that is experienced when we gather as a church body. And I think ultimately the solution that kind of the article is challenging us towards is that We don't have to pigeonhole ourselves into, well, it has to be, you know, Sunday morning or it has to be Wednesday night or something like that. It can be a multitude of different things, a multitude of different gatherings, because we're literally called into this lifestyle together, you know. We're called to literally do life with one another, to break bread, have fellowship, and, you know, that's just kind of the things that I think about coming to this topic.
1: Yeah, I agree with where you're coming from with how you described that. There is part of our wrestling with how to make sense of things moving forward, I think has to do with reframing how we see a few things. Like on one hand, we become so accustomed to seeing church associated in its wholeness with a time and a place on Sunday at a particular building. And it's not, and in and me saying that is not saying that that is not important because <laughs> I think it can easily, be misconstrued to be like, well, if you're saying that's not what church is, then you're just throwing it out. And like, no, it it, ha- it is meaningful and purposeful. It has a role to play. Like that is where, like you see scripturally where in- followers of Jesus are encouraged to gather together to worship and to, you know, fellowship, to commune with God together It's where we hear the good news proclaimed to us over and over again to be reminded of it. It's where we are regrounded in who we are called to be. Like It has a formative role in that way. But that gathering in and of itself, I don't know if if it's meant to hold the weight of the entirety of what the church is because the entirety of the church is more than just an hour on a Sunday morning. It's beyond that. It's what this whole podcast is titled after... 168 hours, it's it's the rest of the week as well. And I so think, it's, you know, there's a difference between gathering to worship and then being the church beyond a worship gathering.
0: Right, I think the Sunday morning gathering is just one expression of the true church, the body of Christ, its people, like, in a gathering. It's not the end-all, be-all, but at the same time, it is, it is part of what the church is because it's a gathering of its members. I mean, but we, I think kind of what I see us both getting at, hey, buddy, what I see us both getting at is this idea that we kind of, in order to adapt, need to challenge, you know, the basic theological principles that we're holding um, or, you know, unearthing those theological principles of what the church body actually is um, and maybe what we've grown accustomed to because I think beforehand when— um, you know, God's word or, you know, the notion of the divine held unanimous authority amongst people in this country. It's, I mean, there probably wasn't as much of an issue as getting people to come to church on Sunday. But now it's like, well, it's like the reason we did that is because this is just one easy way the church can gather, you know. But there are other ways to do that throughout the week, like you're saying. It's not just one hour, it's the 168. There are plenty of opportunities together throughout the week.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, even scripturally, like, in the New Testament, I think in Corinthians, if I'm remembering right, because I think it's mentioned there amongst all the spiritual gifts and all that, but, I mean, it does, Paul himself in, in Corinthians, is, or First Corinthians at least, is referencing, it's possible that someone who isn't a believer is going to enter your gathering when you, when you all as a church gather once a week or at the the least once a week, it's possible they may show up. So it needs to be a way in which they can make some coherence of what's happening. That's why he advocates for it to not be like a crazy time essentially, (laughs) but it should be sensible to a degree. And so there is a sense in which unbelievers are, it's possible they show up on a, Sunday morning or worship gathering, if you will. But I think you can look at the rest of the New Testament and see that that was not the way that people necessarily made their way into the church. And part of it, I think, is we read our current context into that passage, where in our day, or at least in not too distant of a past, the worship service is the thing that we see as the entry point for everything into the church rather than the church being active in the world around the church building or whatever, you know, wherever the church gathers, and that be the entry point, right? And some of it's the benefit of, you know, for a while, this culture was more sympathetic to Christian thinking. So, like you said, it was more of a default, like people kind of already understood, were aware, it wasn't like an anti or, uh, they had nothing to do with it. A lot of people to some degree just from heritage alone had connection to the church. So it wasn't like this foreign concept necessarily, but now that has changed and shifted to where a lot of people don't even necessarily have that background to to reference in, in a lot of ways.
0: Right. And I think as you even see with biblical history, the, the danger with tradition is that in following it again and again and again and again, we can, forget the principles that underlie that tradition. And I think maybe that's kind of what we're getting at. I'm not, like, trying to be accusatory, but... I mean, like, for me, my... my, Like, what you're saying, like, not every entry point has to be, on the like, through the front door on Sunday morning at a church building. I mean, for me, my first experience for a while of, like, a corporate gathering was a Friday morning Bible study at Denny's. (laughs) Like, I mean... And a lot of the same stuff was still present. It was, you know, God's people talking about God's word, encouraging one another, laughing, challenging one another. And, you know, it was digestible for me, right? And then eventually I just naturally wanted to do that more. And a way to do that more was Sunday morning. But it wasn't like the, oh, I I need to do this because this is the only way. It's like, no, I want to do this more. This is just another way for me to do that. So...
1: Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely I think a shift in how evangelism has taken place, and and the shift is it has become known as being uh, how do you get people to the church building so that they can encounter Jesus from like a preacher or something like that or a message or a worship service, and I think it's shifted more now to like how to how do you get people to encounter the community or the life of following Jesus before they ever are entering the building because that doesn't just stop at the building, right? It flows into how we live life beyond the building as well or the worship gathering. And so like, how can we invite people to encounter that? Because most likely they're going to, to encounter us and the rest of the world or in the world before they're ever going to come into the building. It, th- again, it doesn't mean some people won't, but I mean, the one example I've heard of this is like, not that I'm... Like, I don't even want, like, because for me it's, like, false and, you know, it's a difference between false and truth, but falsehood and truth, but, like, if someone was going to just, like, you should you should come with me to my mosque this day they didn't even gather. I feel bad not even knowing this, but um, it's not Saturdays, is it?
0: For some reason I thought it was Friday. I'm but... blanking
1: on when it is, yes, but whenever, um, you know, Muslims typically gather, it'd be like someone saying, like, you should come to m- the mosque with me. Now, on one hand, out of, like, just curiosity or to, like, befriend the person or to, like, get to know them, I may be willing to do that just for, like, the cultural part of it. But it, yeah. would, it wouldn't it would be the way I would prefer to start learning about their culture, probably. Like, because it'd be weird. I'm an outsider. I have known nothing about it. I know nothing about what happens there. So translate that to someone who knows little about Christianity or following Jesus, and that's the path we invite them into it. So, but rather they'd probably have more likely, of a, they'd be more likely interact with you from just the general interaction and, you know, culture. And then, po- you know, it's possible they move in that direction. I, my point is, is I think we need to shift from seeing Sunday morning as the entry point and rather more of like, at, I don't want to say end point, but like, it's like, midway in the journey it's like a it's like a rest stop if you will like it's not the end goal of what following Jesus is is to be there on Sunday morning but it's the thing that you stop at along the way that then refreshes you on the path of life and but we tend to do you know we do that every week
0: yeah I think um maybe a, a more reductionist way of saying what we're getting at is that like relationships aren't just instantaneous they're more of like a slow burn I mean even in secular life, I feel like that's kind of the idea is it's not just one question or one invitation that immediately makes you in this case, what we're trying to get to is family with somebody else. It's more about our side of investment. Like you're saying, like pouring into somebody else slowly, you know, actually demonstrating that through our actions and then, you know, kind of being the invitation rather than saying it, I guess is maybe a, better way of putting it
1: so maybe to give some more concrete like where does this go i think ultimately what i see happening going forward is there's probably going to be more of a blending of what we're we've become accustomed to and then like what will probably take shape going forward we're obviously not going to just ignore anyone who shows up on a sunday morning at our you know gatherings like that's not the point either if they're there, great. Like that's something to celebrate. It's not something to like shun or like just disregard. But I also don't think we should like get all like, you know, mad and angry that people just aren't flocking to our like doorstep either. And instead it should be like, how can we go more to them? And I'm not saying I got that figured out. I'm just, that's how I it seems like I'm reading how what's going on around us. And then in turn, it's like, with like our facilities or whatnot, like what do we do with that? Because like if they're not being used for people coming to us, or at least in terms of for like a worshipful sense, I mean, I think one way in which like our particular facility is used well is we're trying to make it a place where it is a hospitable space for the community around us. I mean, whether a lot of you know who are listening or watching know, like a lot of groups use the building throughout the week that are not there on Sunday morning. And we could look at that as like, like, why are we doing that? They're not coming on Sunday morning. Or we could see it as it's us being hospitable to the world around us. And it's a bridge that at least allows a door open for them down the road. But that also should, you know, that also, for some of us, it's like, well, we play basketball with those people when they come. Or. You know, whatever it may be that, that, that's happening there, you know, we go to that person's birthday party or whatever it may be. Like there's ways in which these cross for us as followers of Jesus in the facility. But then that also prompts us of like, well, then how do we get to know and engage and extend the body of Christ out into the world as well? And I think one temptation that comes with the pivoting with this to be like, well, okay, if it's not coming to, if it's not people coming to the building it's us going to them, in our individualistic culture, I think the temptation is for like, well, how do I alone do this? And it's not to say you shouldn't have any role in it, but like we are so tempted to think like it's a me thing to get someone else to be a part or to you know come to follow Jesus, if you all to come be a part of the church. We participate in that process, but it's a multi-person, multi-faceted, multi-encounter thing that God's spirit is working on each and every person to bring him or her into his body. And what I would advocate is like, you know, we should, I mean, rather, I mean, yes, do what you can on your own. I'm not saying don't do that, but like who else could you invite into doing that? Like what other couple, what other family, what other, you know, few families, couple families or whatever it may be that people, whatever, you know, individuals that you could partner with and like you collectively Say like we want to intentionally go to fill in the blank space routinely, and like that is our place where we are trying to be the body of Christ. There, we may not interact like everybody else there how they do, but the thing that that helps with is because this is always the temptation of like, well, yeah, go evangelize in like a secular you know space, and it's like the temptation of well, I just end up doing what all the secular people do, and it's so like what's really different than how am I different as a follower of Jesus when I'm just doing what the rest of the world does anyway? But I think as, as you go with a group of people or at least another person at the least, there's less of a temptation to just sort of give into the ways of the world that are not like, that are not Christ-like rather than you as you and that person, you and those two or three, four, however many people it is can then interact as the body of Christ in that space. You can incarnate Christ there as an extension of it. You're, you know, we're not Jesus himself, but we are at least can be the hands and feet of him or his live out his ways in that world. I mean, my guess is like the situation you're talking about with, you know, meeting with people at Denny's like, that's, I mean, you met for a Bible studies from what you told me, but like, I bet you did more than just study the Bible. There's just general conversation life shared all these different things you probably asked or found out about the waitresses ins and outs here and there over time, whatever it may be. But like the hope is like the people there encountered you all as a different kind of community than any other group that would come in there. I mean, that's, that's what I would, you know, we probably should strive for as followers of Jesus, at least in that kind of a context. I don't know. Do you have any more kind of describe or does that describe what your, your situation was?
0: Yeah. So I, it was definitely, there was definitely a holiness to it as well. Just, we definitely drew some eyes with what we were doing with the people that happened to be there or that would go there at the same time. And yeah, the waitress knew who we were because like, we would be there every Friday at seven. So in a way, there is also the setting of an example of like, well, we're giving ourselves to be here at a certain time every single week. And a lot of the times it was the exact same number of people, the same amount of people or more. You know, It was rare that it would be less unless it was... You know, because it technically was Dunkirk and there was horrible lake effect snow and people were literally snowed in. That's a different story. But for the most part, it's pretty consistent. Um, And the only other thing I would add to what you you were just saying about the whole individualistic thing, it's like even if you feel called to do something on your own, we are still part of the church body where you can bounce ideas off of each other. Like, it, And it says that in Proverbs, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Ask questions. Am I right on this? Like, can you challenge me on this? If I were planning on doing this, would you think it's a good idea? Like, you know, even in moments where we feel isolated, we're not. Um, especially in today's culture with the ways that we have access to communication and all the different methods that are there with that. I mean, We have access to the thoughts of our peers in Christ very easily if we just ask. And I think that's a great way for us to stand alongside each other, even if it's just in a, you know, technically a digital format, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I think there's definitely just a pivoting of like where, how we engage with people and. I mean, the onus is really on us of it can't just be an assume that people will just come to us. Not that they can't and not that God won't continue to call people to him and in the ways that they can encounter him in that way still. But how do we then extend that out into the world around us? And again, I'm not saying I have like the end all be all of how to, to do that, but that's just how I read or see things shifting that it's becoming more of a like the church is going to have to go to people rather than assuming they're going to come to them. And part of this is like even the digital thing. I mean, a lot of the last couple of years with, with COVID has mentioned or highlighted how like the digital sphere has become another front door of the church. Like people are going to probably encounter you there before they're ever going to actually step foot in any sort of brick and mortar space, if you will. Um, They may watch some message or, um, see social media stuff, whatever it may be before they ever actually have a conversation with somebody. But even those things, I would guess are probably secondarily to any sort of relationship they have with an actual person in life. Like that's who they're more likely to engage with, or maybe ask questions about something, whatever it may be. Um, but ultimately we're just called to be faithful in those moments and, um, try to live as faithfully for Jesus as we can and be an alternative to the way of the rest of the world. I mean, I don't think it has to be a like, you know, you have your bullhorn like in a secular space and you're calling people out and trying to get yeah. them to join you. That's not what I'm saying, but like, how can you incarnate Jesus, you know, be a flesh and blood example or witness for him and how you live and follow him in the spaces in which everyday people are living and interacting. But again, I think the temptation for us is to sort of put that all on ourselves and rather than partnering with a few other people to do that. Right. Um, and so it doesn't have to be the whole church does that either. Like a whole, I mean, that could be like you have like 20, 30, however many different groups doing that, but then that's 20, 30 more groups of people in the world that have now access to, who Jesus is, what he offers us and delivering us from sin and death and the kind of life that he's calling us to and the fullness he wants to live into. Yeah. And that's far, that's far more than just the one if we are inviting people to a space and that's it. Yeah.
0: It's just making it easier for the fruit that is born from our lifestyle to be picked by those who need to be nourished by it. So if the tree is far from them, we have the benefit of actually bringing the tree closer to them and, um, No matter how that manifests, I think in the end brings glory to God and potentially increases numbers for his heavenly citizenry. So the more we can do that, the better.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm thinking, trying to think through like what this looks like in my own like immediate neighborhood of my home. I'm trying to think what it looks like in terms of the hobby I have in, in, you know, drone flying, like, because that's a whole subset of people um, that. I'll more and more probably become hopefully in touch with as I, you know, learn more about stuff, engage with people, whatever it may be, but that's a whole like area that hopefully I can extend my following Jesus into that realm, if you will. Um, it's going to happen more and more with the groups that my kids interact with. Like there's a whole host of, you know, places and avenues in my own life where this can take place. And, you know, my hope is that I can do that, not just alone, but with, you know, a few other people in the process as well. At least I know I will be benefited if that can happen. And, you know, the hope is they come become connected to the body of Christ, but it may not be like they just show, show up on a Sunday morning. Maybe like we now have like the, you know, these extensions of like in our case, Clarence Church of Christ all over Western New York, hopefully. Um, and who knows what that could look like? That could look like multi like many, many, many smaller gatherings. And then like we, however often get together as one big gathering, I don't know what it'll look like, but those are, that's like a glimpse of kind of what I see possibly taking shape as we move forward into this reality of like a post-Christian reality, at least in our current context, at least. you have any other thoughts? So, I mean, this is just us like spitballing about kind of how we read things. We're by no means experts. We've not done like a ton of like, you know, in depth, like sociological research or anything. It's just sort of collating some of the stuff I've heard a lot of other people talk about. And from my own experience of, you know, doing things within our church and um, just seeing how culture is shifting and changing around us. I mean, to me, the most interesting parallels to the church are um, multimedia and and companies like that, Uh, like how radio has had to shift, (laughs) where or tv is probably the best example of this because like tv used to be time and place viewing like you had to be in front of a tv somewhere (laughs) at a time to engage this particular show and that has totally changed now instead you have these media companies trying to go to you and offering you the show when it works for you and all those different things and i get like that can seem like catering or it's like watering it down or whatever it may be but their, their hope is that eventually you'll end up engaging with their other stuff or um, you will make it a priority to be engaged with their content or whatever it may be. Um, them going to you is not, that's like a first step. It's not like the full, like that's not the full step for them. They want far more engagement than just the little bit they're going to you. And I think that's probably a good metaphor parallel for us as the body of Christ, like, yeah, going to people and meeting them where they are is not by any means, the fullness of the experience of following Jesus, but it it can be very much be an entryway into that experience for sure. And so some people use the term like pre-conversion as like, what's what that is. Cause like people want to, what's the cliche? Like people want to belong before they, you know, it's kind of the whole, like you want to know you matter before. anything. Put your foot in the
0: pool before you jump in.
1: Kind of that, yeah, kind of that dynamic, but um, it gets a lot of, you know, those those of us who care about, like, our doctrine and whatnot of, like, well, they don't don't fully belong if they haven't done the, you know, the correct, you know, biblically prescribed or laid out steps or whatever, and it's like, yes, I get that, but we're not necessarily saying that that's happened. We're just saying, like, they want to feel like they belong to something or they're meaningful in some sort of relationship, and if that happens with what we do on Sunday or in the building great if that happens beyond that great but the ultimate point is to bring them into the entirety of the life of Jesus not just what we do on Sunday morning and again it just seems like that is shifting in the churches we're in the process of learning how to shift with that Mm -hmm. and it might mean smaller gatherings it might mean more gatherings of smaller groups of people I don't know um time will tell So, but we just pray God continues to lead and guide us and we can be faithful in how he's shaping his church to be here. Yeah. Thanks for everybody for joining us for this episode of the podcast. It's been a little bit longer of a conversation, but hopefully it's helped you think or process or, um, figure out like what God may be calling you to do and being a part of his church in this time period that we find ourselves living in. So we hope it was helpful in that regard and we'll catch you next time.
0: See you later. One six eighters.